0: drive by cinema three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun
1: hello and welcome this is drive by cinema season four episode 13 spooky spooky number i'm rick (laughs) i'm paul welcome to drive by cinema one and all i have been possessed by the spirit of a podcast host I'll be presenting this podcast for you. The podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. And as we approach Halloween, just a few days off. Is
0: it the 30th or the 31st? I never quite know with Halloween. I think it's the 31st. Yeah. We're ramping up the scare factor, aren't we?
1: Yeah, we're continuing to watch horror movies. And last week, Paul, we watched a horror movie. What was it called? Last week? Last week, yeah. You listened, of course. Right. It was called The Endless... Oh, oh, wait a minute! It was it was Lovecraftian, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that. So memorable. Uh,
0: <laughs> I <sorry>. think
1: we. <laughs> I think we missed a couple of plot points that perhaps we shouldn't have done. I'm assuming I've got this right. Well, go on. When Justin talks to the woman Jenny, who was looking for her husband.
0: Yeah.
1: She said she'd been there weeks, and she kept going back to bed. she yes. Spends a lot of it time. A lot of that time in bed. I think her husband is supposed to be Mike, the guy helping the tweaker get clean off drugs. Because he we know from his backstory that he's gone out there to meet his old friend, the tweaker oh, guy. Obviously wow. he wouldn't have come back because he ends up trapped in a time loop continually saying hello to his old friend. I think Jenny has gone looking for Mike. I think that's right. But maybe it all becomes clear if we watch the third movie, the first movie in that. That set of three by those same filmmakers. We've well, done two, you, haven't we?
0: Oh, we've watched two, and I have to say it's not getting clearer for me, Richard. So I don't know what three would do. I mean, two muddy pools, three muddy pools. I'm not sure <laughs> if the water's going to be any clearer for me. No, you, you're yeah. right. I know. At the
1: end of last episode, we discussed the idea that maybe the whole thing was a time loop. That maybe when we yeah. see them at the start, they've escaped. No, that from wasn't it. our
0: IMDb. That's my own idea. Yeah. yeah
1: but so. the thing is, it doesn't make much sense, does it? Because doesn't they mean. were talking about it like they'd. They'd come out of there as kids, or much younger, and had grown up in there. The the idea was that they'd been in the car accident. If they were always in a time loop, how could they have grown up anyway? That doesn't make any sense. That implies that the whole time loop is like a new phenomena. Maybe they got out of the cult before that happened. I'm sorry, obviously you don't think it's a cult. Paul we know Paul has no aptitude for understanding what a cult is I think Paul you might be in high risk of being
0: inducted into a cult because you just think it's people being nice to you no no I did say that I said at the beginning we can't we can't give the benefit of the doubt aren't they nice these people (laughs) I said it was communal (laughs) and communitarian and maybe collectivist which cults are but many other successful societies share those features too
1: fine line between a cult and a successful society you could argue Paul, you should just be careful, that's all I'm saying. If someone says, come away with me for a weekend, you're probably going to end up in an MLM, aren't you?
0: That's probably what's going to happen. I don't quite like to join the Moonies, I think. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Mass weddings. (laughs) Flirty fishing. Yeah, I mean, I I think what sets a cult apart from other kind of restrictive, cohesive societies, like, for example, the... The Mormons don't quite make it to a cult, I don't think, do they? But like the Mennonites and the Amish, who are closed societies, coercive societies, but they're not cults, are they? The thing that differentiates them is what? I flirty think fishing. The key thing. Flirty fishing is one big thing that differentiates cults from other one, other societies, isn't it?
1: What do you mean by that term? Are you talking about flirty to fishing? Get re-
0: is the recruitment of new members bisexual with sexual advances yeah. that the cults? morals might disapprove of themselves does that make sense and that's what makes it cultish if you're a sexless society but you can use sex to induct people into your society then that makes you quite cultish doesn't it
1: there's probably a cult checklist somewhere that you can check off certain things okay i guess it's to do with usually it's the veneration of a charismatic leader usually alive I, i think there's a witty quote isn't there the difference between a cult and a religion is that the 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 leader that's venerated is dead if it's a religion and alive if it's a cult. It's also an element of sort of the pathology that it does to the members. Scientology is obviously a cult, isn't it? Elbron Hubbard is dead. He has a successor, but it's abusive to its membership, forces them to pay for courses to keep up their dues, as it were. Which I suppose, true of a lot of religions, but also another key thing about a lot of cults is that they encourage members to cut off from non-cult family members and friends, thereby shrink their social circles and their circle of awareness down to only the cult. That's another common thing. Which is what's depicted in this film, Paul. They're
0: shunning outsiders, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they are. I don't deny that. It just wasn't obvious. As I said, we enter the camp. That wasn't obvious, was it, necessarily?
1: That's how they get you, Paul. If someone invites you away key thing that cults do, they get you out of your normal environment, your normal day-to-day routine that keeps you on a a level playing field. And then when you're all out of kilter, they can sell anything to you. Away days, residential days, weekends, that kind of thing. Very high (laughs) cult warning activity level. (laughs) Okay. Paul, you said that you've been binge-watching something on TV. And I'm interested because I've been binge-watching as
0: well. Whilst I had COVID, I was binge-watching. What have you been binge-watching? I've been binge-watching some sort of uh, IT financial comedy cent- centering around a German company. It's a German comedy, is it? Oh, high, yeah, yeah. High Stonks, it's called. And it, is King, sorry, it, King, King of Stonks. King of Stonks. And it's in German. Is it in German and it subtitled? It is in German and subtitled, yeah. Okay.
1: And how many episodes are there in this season? Have you seen it all now? Have you binged it all about- the way?
0: Eight, and I'm about three in, I think. I've only just started binging that. I was binging other things before them.
1: Oh, what else have you binged? Anything you want to reveal? Anything you can recommend?
0: Quite a few sort of business movies.
1: Business-related?
0: Okay. No, no, not business-related. Business movies like the McDonald's founder. Well, not really the founder. The McDonald's Corporation founder, Roy Croc. What's it called? Right. It's called The Founder, yeah. The Founder, stuff like that. Okay. And quite a few documentaries on business and IT. I don't know why. I'm just in that kind of mood. What have you been binging, Richard? I was binging Taskmaster, the Channel oh, 4. I can take it and leave it, I have to say. Take it and leave it.
1: I love it. I think it's it's like stand-up comedy Olympics kind of thing. Uh-huh. But I also like imagining how I would do the tasks, the devious tasks, whether I would be any good at it. I've called up to the current series where I, th- I think it's out on tuesday or thursday or something isn't
0: it so i'm right up to date now what what do you find tiresome about it it's the have i got news for you kind of coquettishness of some of the commentary (laughs) so you don't like greg davis's he's okay i would say it's more some of the shoutier kind of contestants i'd say Hmm. in conjunction with him it's not one chemical it's how they interact really Hmm. so it's all quite fizzy Okay. I've been binging Uncanny BBC Two ah. show with Danny Rob- Robbins, who's well, made this it from- started as a podcast. Podcast made it from podcasts He's leapt into broadcast from Narrow.
1: I've listened to a lot of the podcasts. I haven't watched it on TV.
0: Oh. I find it quite annoying. I, that's why I watch it. That's I, I find it really really annoying. But I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by how annoying it is. You see, because course what they do is Danny will tell a ghost story. Yes. And then at some
1: point, they will get what I'm going to charitably describe as a token skeptic on. And it's quite often someone I know, frankly. They'll ask the token skeptic, what's going on here? And they'll give a perfectly reasonable and well thought out, not a dismissal. That's right. But, you know, a very reasonable sort of discussion about how people can fool themselves, tricks of the mind, pareidolia, and. We don't know the facts, and can we really be certain that this story is exactly as it's been told, etc.,
0: etc. That sounds like last night's episode, Richard, almost entirely. Yeah.
1: And then Daddy will go, oh, yeah, but forgetting about that, but nothing can explain how spooky this was, can it, you know?
0: <laughs> So, so well, that's it. I think Danny is, like, he's really stirring. He does stir the pot on both he sides. Stirs he stirs the pot. He, he does. He does like to lean towards <laughs> the non-sceptic side after he stirred the pot. He rests his wooden spoon deliberately to one side. Okay. But he does stir the pot on both sides, and I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy watching the mechanics of this show where he's just winding everybody up, you see. So. But we, we rarely hear from the sceptic ever again, do we? After that one brief section... <laughs> Well, it looks like they're in the Dragon's Den waiting room on TV. Like, that's where oh, they right. do all their commentary. <laughs> so, like, you okay. know, a bit of, bit of Dragon's Den, the, the studio left over. Let's shoot it in there. And it's almost like they've always managed to reconnect with somebody. So it's a bit like <laughs> it's a bit like Cilla Black in the 80s. You know, she's finding people from around the world and bring them over. And he does the same thing. You've got to watch it, though, because it's really quite... like the, Some of it you couldn't make up. Like, you just couldn't. Like, three Oxford theology students... Who can become can become convinced that either the others in the th- group of three are are possessed and like <laughs> they haven't spoken to each other for thirty years because they're terrified of each other kind of stuff. So you've got to watch it for the comedy value.
1: It sounds, unfortunately, compelling. I may have to watch it. Yeah, Let's see how annoyed I get with the supernatural in the movie that follows. That so follows this musical and slightly sounds. Yeah.
0: All right, Paul. Come on, talk to me. Yeah, that's what I said to ChatGPT uh, oh. to find out about this movie instead of actually watching it. Please, ChatGPT, write a review of this movie for and me. And it said, "It said, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you. You know, I was like, no, 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 <laughs> talk to me." He said, "Okay, talk to her. It's a Spanish movie from 2008 with Pedro." <laughs> I said, "No, talk to me. The movie from 2023." And then it then it said, "Oh, 2023. Sorry, can't give you any information on this movie because I'm only." surveying words from up to September 2022. So I had to actually do my homework on this one. Yeah, Talk To Me 2023, apparently distributed and partly financed, maybe by A24 in the US and US alone, but is an Australian production in this made in the deep, dark suburbs, very atmospheric suburbs of Adelaide, I think. Oh. I didn't, or maybe know. I didn't know that I'm not stuff. sure. It's the product of two brothers, right? Yeah. Now, draw a backstory on these guys. Oh. They go. are they are YouTube gigantic. They're, they're huge on YouTube for making skitty comic short scary shorts. I didn't know. That. I don't mean the speedo shorts. I mean like short movies.
1: <laughs> Danny and Michael Filippo. Filippo?
0: Y- yes. Filippo. Correct.
1: I don't know how you pronounce their name. I think it's Greek, isn't it? But they haven't done many big movies. This is their first one, I think. It's a good start, right? I quite enjoyed this movie. Did you enjoy it? What did you think, Paul?
0: I was impressed. Because impressed,
1: that's a good word to use, yeah.
0: Like, do you know the Sidemen on YouTube?
1: No, they're a group I of six. So.
0: You might think late teenage men from the UK. Actually, they're 30 to 31. The big, the most famous one is the guy that had a fight, boxing fight with, is it Logan Paul or Jean. Oh, God. Or Paul Jean-Jean. I don't know. Fucking His name I is KSI know. or something like that. Oh, KSI, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he's one of the side men, or it appears they're recent. They've name-checked these, these brothers regularly. Right. And they're kind of in What's the same got to do with the movie, U- right? YouTube production universe, I think. So it's all, yeah, they're, they're very much YouTube producers, very much YouTube content creators, and this is the first time they've jumped into formal, if you like, serious movie-making. and I thought it was a really, really good start, yeah.
1: I really don't like this habit of these YouTube stars doing fights and... Boxing matches and stuff. I think it's. I think it's disrespectful to boxing, and I also have come to hate boxing as well. So I hate it both ways round.
0: <laughs> it doesn't doesn't preserve any of the dignity of the sport, does it? Where well, well, I think I'll the sport is yeah, already I mean, like. I love Muay Thai and then I get to Thailand Okay, and I got to watch and you know the Buddhist praying the whole tradition of it and the fact that that trumpet atmosphere is it's really quiet when you're in there it's electric and and then the first fight came in and it was just the blood flying out of the ring and just the horrific crack of bone on bone and the terrible terrible state these little 17 18 year old 19 year old boys were in it was just really kind of like when you get in the flesh either I think either you've got a taste for it you just think this is just barbaric do you know what I mean Again, my objection is I just don't, these people are doing
1: things to them, to their bodies, to themselves that are not recoverable. You know, it's the long-term no.
0: effects are going to be. No, I mean, you just have to be close up there and hear it. You, it's just, oh, it's just, I don't know actually how they do it, you know, because I think anybody else would just be knocked out by these things immediately. Do they get used to your, Does the brain learn how to react to it or something? I don't know.
1: Maybe they, maybe they don't have any common sense to start with, let alone getting knocked out of it. Anyway, let's get back to our scary movie, Paul. Yes, talk right. to me. So, we get a bit of a setup, don't we, at the start? Which is, we see an exterior shot, nighttime.
0: There's a wild party happening in a house. What a crazy party! It, it, crazier than Bodies, 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 which we reviewed maybe half a year ago. Maybe it was a year ago now, I don't know.
1: Some dude who I think is called Cole. Uh, yeah. we learn
0: later, long-haired dude, is going
1: around the party... Looking for his brother, Duckett. Duckett? I thought it was saying Duncan, but you're quite right, it is, Ducket. He comes to a locked door. He breaks it down, rudely. It's not his house, is it? Inside, there's a guy sitting hunched over, shirtless. Yeah. With scars, I think, on him. He grabs him out of there, as it were, berating the crowd who are videoing on, on phones. As they get downstairs to the kitchen or something, Duckett stabs him.
0: Suddenly. And then stabs himself. Oh, violently in the head with spurts of blood and to the screams of the onlooking crowd. Yeah. Who are no longer videoing in the whole experience. Yeah.
1: I and mean, I'm just realising, I'd assumed, I'd assumed that this guy, the long haired dude, died. But yeah, me too. actually, we see him later, don't we? So we do, but he, not he, for a long time. We did not.
0: It really, it's not connected that strongly in the movie, as it, apart from if you remember what his name was, kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, this is just set up stuff, and it comes back later. Nicely done. We now focus on a young woman who is at what you might assume is a funeral. Everyone's wearing black. But I think we learn actually it's a memorial service like a year after the death, isn't it? And it's the death of her mother that's being commemorated.
0: And we also see two little kids, little scamps, waiting for a pickup. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, it's quite, they're having a, you know, a funny little conversation, weren't they? Whilst they're waiting to get picked up on the curb by whoever's coming to pick them up. What are they talking about? Cigarettes, I think, yeah?
1: Yeah, one of them's been given a cigarette. They've never smoked before. Uh, and indeed, kids these days don't don't go for no. cigarettes, do they? Perhaps intrigued by the novelty of it, one of them is about to smoke it. I think he lights it, but doesn't put it in his mouth.
0: I was just it, it's quite a humorous little uh, sort of Gen... Is it Gen A now? Conversation they're having, like, oh, you're such a fetus kind of thing, instead of saying they're immature kind of thing. So that's a whole that's There was a, whole a commenting,
1: the commenting on the Snapchat picture of a friend of theirs. Yeah. Who one of them thinks looks like an elf. That never really comes back. I don't know quite why that's in there, but anyway. Is it is it just to indicate that Riley maybe is a bit sensitive, possibly
0: No, I don't know. I think it's to indicate that Riley is a little bit left curve, kinda of outside the ballpark in thinking. And I think it's just to indicate that they just like to like that generation they just kind of they kind of rip shreds out of each other but they don't really care about it, do they?
1: Don't know. Thing is, Riley. There's two these two kids. Riley is kind of younger and smaller looking. There's yeah. James, who's a bit bigger and tougher, and the one with a cigarette. James looks
0: a bit more like a rugby player, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Riley yeah. looks a little bit more like an alien.
1: It struck me that Riley is keen for the approval of his mate, and because yes. initially he's dead set against doing anything with a cigarette, but I think he does it. He does. of considers it because his mate is talking about it. So I think he's. Quite keen for approval from his peer. Better
0: earlier history. Better early on, I think. Just get, get that peer conformity out of the way, if you can do. <laughs> yeah, so Riley looks a bit more like an alien, but a very photogenic alien, has to be said.
1: The girl that we'd seen at the memorial service shows up in a car. We learn that her name is Mia. Yeah. She picks up Riley, who's the brother of her mate, apparently. Her mate, Riley's sister, hasn't turned up, so she's offering him a lift. And on on the way, they start enthusiastically singing "Chandelier" by Sia, really enthusiastically. Sia.
0: It, it's it's a good song. And it is a good song. A good, it's a good carpool. karaoke uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: carpool karaoke. They're,
0: they're really belting it out. Well done. <laughs> I, I was impressed by by the effort and the release they were achieving through this through this song. But Mia very
1: suddenly stops the car. We can't see initially what's happening. Stops the car. Turns the music off and they both sit there looking a little bit shocked. And what they see and what the camera now reveals on the road in front of them is a dead kangaroo. Well, no,
0: it's not a dead kangaroo, is it? It's an injured kangaroo distressed. Now, can needed. I just stop you here? What was the movie? I mean, obviously, there are some very light body, body, bodies kind of connect. You seem obsessed with
1: that movie, Paul. You've mentioned it five times. Yeah.
0: Which means you've said the word bodies like 15 times. (laughs) Well, but there there, there are some light associations. However, at this point, I had to reflect on a movie. I think it's, is it hereditary where there's a dead deer? On a roll? Yeah. Ah, that's right. Is it
1: hereditary? It causes the young sister to have her head chopped off. Spoiler alert. That's right.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was thinking, oh, my God, nothing good after that movie can come from finding roadkill or near roadkill. Because it's poor kangaroo. I think it's a joey. No, it's not. It's not a joey, is it? I am not know what kind of kangaroo it is, but he's rasping awfully. No idea what his name
1: is. No, no it's yeah. just a kangaroo. It's a pretty common trope, actually, isn't it, to find roadkill or have roadkill-related things happening in horror movies.
0: Yeah. you know. And, of course, it's pretty common to knock over a kangaroo in Australia. That's why you've got bull bars on, on your car. Is that right? Do they not have any road sense? They don't, no. They just hop across that road at 35 miles an hour, however quickly they can hop. But the big thing is, I think, uh, at the moment, is uh, kangaroos drowning dogs, isn't it? Have you seen this thing that's going around at the moment? No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kangaroos will lure dogs into a river and then jump on their back and drown them. For what purpose? Sport, we think. (laughs) No one can ask the kangaroos, I guess. That's pretty unpleasant, isn't it? Have you seen those male kangaroos and like their upper body, upper body muscle definition? Oh, they're hench, aren't they? Yeah, it's just crazy. I'm, it's really rare to see an animal with so little fat and so much muscle, isn't it? Is that why they're so tasty? <laughs> aren't <laughs> aren't they an intelligent animal, Richard? I mean, they drown dogs. They must, they're must. cleverer than dogs. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: I see. Yeah. Riley suggests putting the kangaroo out of its,
0: out of its misery yeah. because it does seem to be crying as he puts... it. The... you've ever been in this situation, it's so difficult to put an animal you know suffering out of its misery. Well, especially a big animal. How are you going to do it? Well you suffocate it? Unless him, you have a weapon. Suffocate? What, well, you're going to put a pillow Well, no, I think over the idea make... was drive over it. Like, that was
1: Mia's plan. Yeah, she backs the car up,
0: goes to drive over it, but she hesitates. Yeah, I think the, I think she's squished white matter is what she's stopping it from doing, it, isn't it? Well, also, it's going to damage your car
1: in all probability, isn't it? Yeah.
0: My mum once borrowed my car... Oh, here we go. Is this hit, past? His, uh, is this past insurance claim? What do you call it? The time of limited, statute statute limitations. Is it twenty years on, Richard?
1: She hit a pheasant or something, and oh, yeah. the head oh, yeah. of the pheasant smashed a hole in the bumper. Oh,
0: of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mum killed a horse with a mini. <laughs> <laughs> It jumped that, the fence, a... it jumped the fence, and she it literally, it was for her 21st birthday, it was £650 of a brand new 60s Mini that her parents had given her, okay, she was pleased as punch, and then she was driving over the moors late at night, all of a sudden, a horse jumped onto the Mini from over a hedge. Oh my god, it sounds like a horror story. It sounds like a horror story, doesn't it?
1: What does she do? Do you have any more details? I don't know, but
0: my grandma was so fucking furious with her because, obviously, I don't think you could claim back... I don't know if you could claim back cars on insurance like you can, like you can these days. It's a lot of money. Equivalent of £10,000, £12,000 these days.
1: I'm sure, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I think the thing is my grandmother blamed my, my mother for a, a, a rampant random horse. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Mia doesn't get involved in trying to run over the kangaroo. In fact, she drives around it, doesn't she? Yeah. Possibly regretting it. I think Riley maybe berates her for doing so.
0: And possibly, she, I don't know. Setting, setting some sort of cosmic guilt or karma her way, maybe.
1: Wasn't it there to indicate something about... This comes up later, doesn't it? She, I don't she know. Well, contemplates a, a mercy killing. She yes. contemplates a mercy killing at the end of the film. And I think either That's this is right. setting up to say why that. she might hesitate, or perhaps... Or, The memory of this event encourages her to do the right thing the next time. I think that's the idea. That's the idea, yeah. Yeah. At this point of the movie, I think if I wasn't also reading along the synopsis, I I wouldn't have really understood the family dynamics at this point.
0: I thought it was like Home and Away, where everybody's adopted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was like like a mixed-race adoption family kind of thing, where everybody comes in and stays for a while with Uncle Max and then moves on kind of thing. (laughs) Because... I was getting holding so away. Mia
1: has lost a mum. Yes. She doesn't live with her dad. She's estranged from her dad now. They don't talk. Ah. We saw that briefly at the memorial service when her dad tried to talk to her, and it was really awkward because she was trying to do the washing up and he couldn't she couldn't hear him. But That's they don't get right. on, so she doesn't live with her dad. She lives in the house with her best mate, Jay, and her mum, Sue, and okay. her brother, so they Riley. live together. They live together, that's right,
0: yeah. Okay, so when a dad was... He didn't was, get that. Okay. So, well, no, because when cheating, a dad was in to say, the I kitchen... I synopsis. When, when a dad was in the kitchen, therefore, that, for me, indicates... I know it's a memorial service, but you wouldn't yeah. think that he's therefore leaving the house after the memorial service yes. So, in my mind, I was assuming that Mia lived with her dad. Sorry about that.
1: Well, I think she notionally does, but practically doesn't. Really? She does go back to her dad's, doesn't she, when things go wrong, as we'll find out. okay. Apparently, Jay had been supposed to pick up Riley, but she didn't because she was waiting for a call from her boyfriend, Daniel, who had been Mia's, Mia's boyfriend. handholding X. ex, yeah. Again, there's more home and away stuff here, isn't it? They
0: sneak out that night to go to a party. Oh, a God, party. Well, I mean, there's some, there's some really funny dialogue from the mum here, isn't there? Uh, mum, about... who, is play, who is
1: basically is Eowyn from Lord of the Rings, by the way. Ah, right, That's okay. where you know her from, Paul probably. So twice mum, mum is just... Lord of the Rings fan,
0: are Mum is just... Dialogue <laughs> from the that? mum poll. That's what you were saying. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, there's two separate like funny occasion dialogues uh, where mum is just not dealing with any bullshit. She's going to call the kids out on what they're doing kind of stuff. Maybe three times actually. The third time when she makes reference to their sexual activities. I quite <laughs> enjoyed that. It's like little humorous interludes before the horror begins. The thing is that Mia's got a little
1: video on her phone where she's showing what I'm going to describe as paranormal shit. I think it's supposed to be a possession or something, but they're seeing some kid in the throes of convulsions and speaking in tongues or something. And so they're sneaking out to a kind of meeting, a gathering, where this stuff is taking place. So they all arrive at this place. There's a bit of friction between, like, the host and Mia, I think.
0: Hayley. Yeah, Hailey. Hayley, that's right. She's the party host. Um, Josh is like a psychic. He's like the big rugby playing guy. A bit older than everybody else, it would seem. It's time for the big event, this whatever paranormal thing dun, they're going to do. Dun. They ask for a
1: volunteer. Mia volunteers, doesn't she? She sits down in a chair and they tie her up. Then Hayley explains the rules. She says they can't stay for more than 90 seconds or they'll stay forever if you die when they're in there. She then lights a candle. She um, pulls out. A papier-mâché hand? No, it's not papier-mâché. Sculpture of a hand. I'm going to describe it as. Uh huh. It's like in a in a pose, isn't it? With the hand kind of open.
0: Apparently, way. it's supposed to be a genuinely severed, embalmed hand, covered in ceramic. Covered in ceramic because it is clearly ceramic, as they yeah.
1: as is commented in the film. But yes, the idea is there's a real hand inside. Mia is told to hold the hand like she's shaking hands to it. And is told to say the words, the magic spell, while she's holding it, and the candle is lit. You start off by saying, "Talk, talk to, to me. me." Yeah, talk to me.
0: Yeah. And, well, she does that, and immediately she just, well, she's just wowed, isn't she, by whatever she sees? I think we see what she sees, don't we?
1: Yeah, we see like an old
0: guy sitting there that wasn't there before,
1: not, not just a random old
0: guy. And he's, uh, he's, you know, he's got various states of decay and kind of ghostliness, hasn't he? Well, I don't know.
1: It's a very quick flash, but it's clearly something that doesn't belong. No one believes her initially. Certainly her friends don't believe her. So she has to prove it. So she grabs the hand again and repeats it. Talk to me. This time she sees a different spirit. This time it's a woman with a slimy face and one eye popping out of both. That's right, yeah. And then she has to follow up. Haley's instructing her by saying, I let you in. I let you in. At which point she basically becomes possessed by the spirit and she starts laughing maniacally she points at the door saying there he is and points at Riley and says i like you to him or something everyone's freaked out of course mia is not behaving herself as it were the door opens of its own accord and slams on its
0: own and it's difficult and, for them to break the connection isn't it like three or four of them have to prise her hand off the yeah the at 83 potty.
1: seconds haley tells just to to get it off her, and he tries to, and as, as you say, he struggled. So I think they exceed the time limit down. By they? which time, Mia is repeating run, run, run over and over and over again. But after recovering, Mia says it was amazing, and all the crowd is freaking out and he's really happy. So it seems to be something people enjoy
0: doing. How do you it- feel about that first scene? Did you feel like I quite enjoyed. I've just seen The Shining recently, and what I really enjoyed about watching The Shining was just how slow. And how confident the filmmaking is. And I got a little bit of this with this movie. I mean, it eases in quite nicely, doesn't it? Okay. And it just uses conventional movie making. Like, you know, sudden changes of camera angle and shot, really, to get across to us the sudden possession that's happened. So I kind of quite like this beginning. Because it wasn't too much, was it, in any
1: sort of way? The classic approach to doing this would be that the kids are doing a Ouija board. Yeah. And... By doing the Ouija board, which as we all know is just idiomotor action, by doing a Ouija board, somehow you'd let the spirits in. It's the kind of thing people said in the playground that their mums had told them, wasn't it? That someone's religious parents tell their kids, don't do a Ouija board because you're you're letting the devil in or something. But here, nicely, they explain the rules quite explicitly, and you understand exactly what is supposed to be going on. You're inviting a spirit through this medium's dead, preserved hand. The spirit comes, you talk to them, but then you invite them to possess you for a short time. And then you blow the candle out, important, and let go, and the spirit is gone. So the rules are set out quite nicely. It's not this wishy-washy, superstitious nonsense. There is a kind of set of rules.
0: A little bit like looking after your gremlin, isn't it? It I is, yeah, life except life. of course obviously I'd have problems like how close does the candle have to be? Does it have to be the same room, does have to be the same person that holds the old candle, that kind of thing. I mean we don't well I mean there's not obviously time Obviously it route. doesn't make any sense, but it it's doesn't make any sense, so there's not time to bullshit, cover to the yeah. details in that. But presumably <laughs> we can imagine a world where there are details to all these these various rules. But yes, I thought it was quite convincing. And I, I was reflecting on just how difficult it must have been to act. Like, yeah. But really well done. I was convinced. The other nice thing about this film is
1: they get the Dynamics of the kids. I think that's really well done. It is, yeah, isn't it? It's it's like Skins again, or some other like gritty kind of kid-based drama, and it's, and you yeah, see the family dynamics in the household are also good. Yeah, so it's all quite well observed, and it avoids a lot of the standard boring like um, Hall- Halloween or horror movie tropes, doesn't it? That tend to afflict these things. Yes. That night, though, Mia is going to bed in the camp bed where she sleeps in in that her friend's house. Riley is scared because, by the way, they'd taken Riley along with them. He insisted on coming at some stage. And so, even though he's quite young, he'd witnessed all of this terrifying going on. Yeah. And at night, he's a bit frightened. He tries to go to his sister's room, but she wants none of it. So he goes to Mia and she makes sure he's he's not too scared. Mia talks about having a nightmare that she has where she looks in the mirror, but her reflection has gone. She also explains that her mum died taking too many sleeping pills and that she'd scratched the door of the bathroom where she'd taken them trying to get out uh, and her dad couldn't open the door because she was lying against it when, when he figured out that she was not, not, not conscious. So, you know, she's sharing these stories with Riley and as Riley dozes off, we see, creepily, a rotting kind of hand Sort of petting him as if Mia's hand is itself
0: yes a dead person's hand. Very subtle, wasn't it? You could have easily missed that. So, do we cut to the next night where they're doing this all again, stupidly?
1: Yeah, they've arranged to do it again. They're kind of hooked on it, aren't they? And Daniel arrives. And this this is where I think the bit you're talking about, where she quizzes all of the kids about what plans they have. I think they've invited Hayley round to their house. Because mum is going to be out, haven't they? And she's saying, That's you know, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. She bans Daniel from Jay's vagina. <laughs> That's right, yes. Yeah, this is the moment, I think. Haley arrives with a bag with the hand in it. This time, Daniel volunteers first. And this time, Daniel goes through the thing, lets somebody in, convulses as he's being possessed. He goes kind of crazy, doesn't he? And he starts looking lasciviously at Mia knowing that they had a bit of a history of quite chaste boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Obviously, Jay's not going to be too happy about that, is she? But he seems to be having a very <laughs> sexual experience, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. He winds up falling on the floor, humping the humping floor. Humping the
0: floor, you're right, yes. sorry. I forgot and the dog
1: that. comes in and kisses him, and he <laughs> enthusiastically kisses it back.
0: <laughs> so we're still very much in the comedy-horror area, aren't we, really?
1: Yeah we are, yeah. Daniel's obviously upset by this and wants Haley to delete the video of him stogging a dog. <laughs> and then he storms out. Mia volunteers to be next as long as the dog is locked out of the room. <laughs> and we see them doing it over and over again, don't we? That's right, one after the other. Yeah.
0: One after the other, yeah.
1: Culminating in Mia singing in French at one point. And then Riley asks for a go. Jay's dead set against it. You're too young. No, no way. You can Which is do fair it. enough because he's 14 or whatever. yeah. After an argument, eventually Jay leaves the room. Riley kind of sweet talks Mia into letting him have uh-huh. 50 seconds only possession time. I don't, I don't know why everyone's so keen on this. Nothing about this would appeal to me in the remote chance that any of this could be plausible or real. There's no hope I would ever be keen to do this, Paul. What
0: about about you? you, Were you ever a standard teenager? Did you enjoy smashing bus stop glass? No. Did you enjoy jumping off bus stop, potentially breaking legs? No. no. Did you enjoy playing chicken with fast-moving cars?
1: Are you you trying to suggest that I'm not a normal person for not wanting these
0: things? I'm I'm asking if you did these things, Richard. I I don't know because I didn't do these things either.
1: No, uh, well, you're probably in the same boat as me then, and wondering what the fuck they would do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, right, okay. So I went to my first, like, well, I, I went to several parties, like when I was 14, 15, drinking, or where people were drinking beer. And I had no desire to do it. Huh. But then I went to one party held by a friend called Stephen, and it was a New Year's party. I was a little bit older then. I was like 16. I think it was the end of what used to be fifth form, is now year 10. I kind, of dis- I, I kind of saw people having so much fun doing what they were doing. Like the boys hitting their own faces in front of the girls and stuff like that. and <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I, I thought I'd had a little bit of wine. I'll convince myself if I just try to enjoy it, I'll see what the fun is. That's I could I'd hit dra- my face. In front I of could hit my face. And so I drank lots of wine and then I smashed the neck of the bottle of wine. And then what I thought was cool was to drink from a jagged... Wine bottle. I mean, that is pretty cool. Not gonna lie. And that was my first time trying to fit in with peer group pressure kind of thing. I mean, I'd had no peer group before that because I singly didn't mate with anybody at school. Yeah, I don't know. I did try. I did try to become like a, a standard teenager, but yeah, I just didn't really get it. I was just, I was like the uh, the artist or or the alien, just trying to trying to copy a fourth rock, third rock from the sun kind of stuff. I mean, you were a cargo cult teenager. I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, "What are they doing?" Okay, I'll do it a week or, or a month later, and it's too late. I was never in sync with jumping off bus stops or running on top of cars or playing chicken or that kind of thing. No, yeah. but no, I, I, I assume teenagers get so bored. Less so these days, though. They get so bored that, of course, they seek out. They, they're thrill seeking, aren't they? They're adrenaline junkies. Yeah.
1: I guess they can get any experience they want online, can't they? So they what you're to saying, there's
0: too much giddy aluminium tang to what they're doing here. It's just too its too effervescent, isn't it? I don't know how it would be enjoyable, all this kind of fear and all this excitement and all this shouting and giggliness. Yeah, I was never a normal teenager, so I, I'm, I'm not the person to ask Richard.
1: What happens to Riley when he does it is this. It seems that he's channeling Mia's mum. That's and- right.
0: That's what I meant to say. Ria, yeah,
1: yeah. He starts giving, or Rhea starts giving Mia a message of love and stuff. And Mia, obviously, she's begging now to keep going beyond the 50 seconds that they've. Selfish Mia. And Riley starts really convulsing and starts smashing his head on the table very violently. And then he tries to remove his own eye with his fingers, just clawing at his own eye.
0: Yeah, this is a, you know, it's a sudden, a truly horrific moment. Okay, and the thud, the thuds of violence as he bashes his head forwards and then backwards. He tries to crack open yeah. the back of his head on the window window sill. It's really, really graphic in, in a way I wasn't expecting. So was quite, I was quite shocked by it. I was like, oh right, okay. Well, the guy tries to wrench
1: his hand off the, the magic hand, and he does. But I think nobody blows out the candle pole. That's the key That's thing the here. That's the problem. Isn't it? They've yeah. missed a step, but nobody notices. If they worked in a
0: nuclear power plant, they would have known about how you have to. You have to have procedures in procedures, place, and two is one, and three is two, so three is one kind of thing. You have to have three procedures, three backups, because yeah, if you have one, you don't have any. Yeah. If you don't have one, you don't have any. If you have two, well, two could become one, and at that point, one becomes none. Two, so you need three just to be sure.
1: Yeah, obviously, he needs medical attention. As Mia is walking into the kitchen to calm herself down away from the scene, she sees a figure behind the wobbly glass door. Whoa. You you get indoors, don't you? Which we assume is her mum. I think the implication here is she's sort of being haunted now by the spirit of her mum. Because they didn't blow the candle. Yeah. Because they didn't blow the candle, quite right. Police interview the kids, don't they? Mia ends up back at her dad's because Jay and Jay's mum is going to blame Mia Cause I think they'd had a discussion, aren't they, about maybe Mia had done drugs at some stage. And the assumption yes. that the adults have is that drugs have been involved in some way. So she's persona non grata in the household just to go back and live with her dad. In the commotion she's nicked the, the Pass Paris hand, hasn't she? She has, yeah. She tries to see Riley
0: in the hospital, but Riley's mum won't let her near him. So she's I mean, she's visited by these by these demons. He might or might not be a mum. Okay, so yeah, so then Daniel comes to stay over at hers, and I'm not really sure why that happened. Apart from well, well, Daniel Daniel was at the hospital. Daniel was at the hospital
1: with Jay, and he offers to give Mia a lift home, which she accepts. And then Daniel reveals on the way home that he can't go home because oh, how convenient. He told his parents some cover story because apparently he's from a very religious family. That's right. He'd given them some cover story about staying with his cousins, so he can't go back home and I don't think he can stay at his girlfriend's house because they're at the hospital. So Mia says, well, stay with me. Initially, he's a bit reluctant because of his girlfriend, but obviously it kind of makes sense to Mia. I think they're top and tail, don't they? They do top and tail. Just to be safe, just to be Christianly safe about it all. But in the middle of the night, Mia wakes up, and she has a vision again of a spirit. She has a nice dream to start off with, doesn't she? She has nice dreams initially. Actually, it's a nice dream of her snogging Daniel, though, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. But she wakes to see a spirit of this decaying, bloated woman. A very wet woman. A drowned woman, we assume.
0: Like Blackbeard from the last of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie.
1: <laughs> she, she gets into bed and starts sucking Daniel's foot. Yes. And Mia's horrified and tries to stop it and is flapping around and... When Daniel wakes
0: up, he's seeing
1: Mia sucking
0: his foot. (laughs) Yeah, full foot in her mouth. So this is an idea. We start to get an indication that demons can trick. Demons can make us think other than what we should be thinking. Demons can appear, and demons can tell us we've finished an apparition when the apparition continues. Daniel
1: leaves outraged. Mia's desperate, and she uses the hand to speak with her mum, and she asks her mum if she killed herself. I think she blames her dad in some way for her mum's death, doesn't she? Wow. Her mum's spirit says no, she didn't kill
0: herself, she would never do that, but that Riley needs her help. Now, at this point you're thinking, wait a minute, is this demon telling the truth or is it being manipulative? And I think we have to come to the conclusion that, one, it's being manipulative, and two, maybe it's just a mask and it's not really her mum, to whatever a spirit can be somebody, to whatever extent.
1: Meanwhile, Jay in hospital, is being looked after by his sister and his mum. At some point, I think his mum is away, he goes crazy, tries to bite his sister, and then bashes his head on the tiled room, bathroom wall kind of thing. So he's still trying to commit suicide. But he also starts licking the blood off the floor, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Clearly possessed still in some way.
0: Now they've all decided the kids have all decided over time he will. His body will expel the spirit. He'll get to change strength, but it doesn't seem to be happening, does it?
1: Well, that's what they're told because they go and see the guy that Haley and a friend got the hand from
0: in the first place. And that person is Cole, is that right? The guy from the beginning, yeah. yeah. He seems to have recovered from being stabbed, shanked all the way up his abdomen by his <laughs> brother.
1: Cole tells Haley and the, the other guy to stop fucking up people's lives
0: by playing with this stuff. I'm really with Cole on this one. Yeah, clearly he's the smartest cookie. I think the, cookie the, the, what the movie isn't. does well is it really allows us to vi- blame victim these bone. two. You know. <laughs> Not victim blame, but because these two never really get anything happens to either of them, does it? But yeah, like, what's her name? I forgot her name, sorry. Haley. Haley and, 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 and Joss. Is it Hayley and Joss? It's really easy. It's, it's, very clear, isn't it, that... They've done cowardly things, yeah, and, and they should be ashamed of themselves. So I like the clear morality that, uh, that, that, the, mu- that the movie is kind of set to at this point.
1: Interestingly, uh, Haley's actor is the reason that this film was banned in Q8. Really? Because Zoe Tarakis, I think her name is, yeah. identifies as non-binary transmasculine. Right. And in Q8, apparently that's not acceptable. Bizarre! Wow, that's a fact I learnt from IMDb. Right, so Mia has an idea. They've figured out now that they never blew the candle out. So her clever idea <laughs> is to go and repeat the experiment, and this time definitely blow the candle out, and that will sever the link. In I don't know where she gets this theory from. Risky but there you go, stuff, isn't asking. it? I mean, they go to hospital. They sneak in. They try to get Riley. And by the way, the makeup job they do on Riley. For all, the, all of these hospital oh, scenes, oh my god, yeah, he's really been properly beaten up, hasn't he? By himself, <laughs> it, it's absolutely horrific. It's probably some of the best makeup prosthetics work that you've seen on on this kind of thing. So they try to get Riley to hold the hand, but he can't really do it. He can't speak because he got he's been intubated, hasn't he? So Mia says talk to him. Fairly obviously, that doesn't work. Mia then has this idea of trying to contact Riley By using the hand herself hmm. On the principle that if he's been possessed Maybe his spirit is in the spirit realm And they can get
0: to him I see, that was, a, that, that was about
1: okay. it, it Well, I mean, it's a crazy idea But there we go in the, And in then we see him writhing universe, in like A sea of sort of bloody bodies, don't we, I think Well, first mm-hmm. she does this She holds the hand, talks to me A girl appears She asks, can you take me to Riley? That's right and then she sees Riley surrounded by all these dead people who are kind of mobbing him, as it were. She
0: he's can't in limbo. It. I think the idea is some purgatorial limbo, isn't it? Between That's life right. and yeah. death kind of thing.
1: Meanwhile, back at Dad's, she, she, she goes back to her Dad's place. Dad is reading a note from her mum, which is really her suicide note, that he's kept for her from all this, for all this time. On some flimsy pretext, like not wanting to upset her or blame herself, I'm not sure. Mia doesn't believe the note, though, because she was told by Rhea's spirit that she hadn't killed herself. There we go. Underlining what you said about them being untrustworthy, perhaps.
0: So there we go. I think this idea is, well, at what point do you trust a potentially malevolent spirit and what they're saying? Do they, Can they lie? Can they manipulate? And if they're lying and manipulating, is it in some sort of mechanical way or, or what? I mean... Begs questions, doesn't it? But I think we, we come across the idea that is she seeing dad as dad or is she seeing a spirit pretending to be dad at this point?
1: She doesn't know, does this she? This is it. This is it. Because when she's alone in a room, her mum's spirit is saying to her, it's a lie. That note was a lie. Mm. And she hears a knocking on the door, a violent knocking and a shouting. And her mum's spirit says, that isn't her dad. Yeah. They are impersonating him. They could be impersonating her mum as well, though, couldn't they? That's right. But indeed, the door bursts open and something that looks like her dad but is like decaying, like a zombie dad, comes in and starts struggling with Mia. She winds up on the floor. It's
0: on top of her and attacking her. Of course, and this is how she accidentally manages to stab her dad in the neck with scissors. Because during the struggle,
1: she's reaching for... The only thing she can find on the floor, which is a pair of scissors. And then we see her real dad, as it were, outside the door. He breaks into the room. He sees Mia on her own, lying on the floor, in distress, apparently. And he goes over to her to see if she's okay, sort of right over in front of her. And she was in the process of grabbing the scissors under her bed and
0: immediately reflexively reflexively, stabs him in the neck with these scissors. Yes, yeah, so we get this sense with Mia is that she she's always somebody who, not become selfish, but I don't know what the thing is she consistently does here is that she she maybe she's to blame, Paul, in this she's film. She's to blame. She's really she, yeah. She's the one who's instigated she, all of this. She doesn't come out looking good, does she? Really? <laughs> no, she doesn't. No. Well, she doesn't come out of this at she's all. She's told she, not special. to go and try and help Riley. She's told not to let Riley go into a trance. She's she's supposed to put the kangaroo out of the misery, and every time she just doesn't do what she ought to do, Yeah, uh, I think that's the thing. Is she doesn't do what she, she, she ought to do each and every time. Naughty Mia. Bad girl.
1: But she's still convinced she's got to fix this for Riley because what she saw of Riley in the spirit world was that he was in pain, apparently.
0: Yeah. Now we get to the injured kangaroo, don't we? Yeah. Jay in the
1: hospital receives a call from Mia. Mia is saying that she now knows what to do and she tells her to come to her place. It's a ruse. Jay leaves, but we see Mia is in the hospital car park waiting for her to leave. Oh, sneaky. Only a demon could be that sneaky, I think. She goes in, knowing now that Riley is alone. Or actually, sorry, his mum is still there. Sue is still there. They reconcile, don't they? Sue has heard that it's not about drugs anymore. Well, also, because Riley went off in the hospital, she's aware that it's not really Mia's fault that Riley must have had this break. Anyway, it's not Mia's fault at all. So if she apologises, they reconcile. And then Mia says, can I have some time alone with him?
0: Oh, Yeah, all the meantime hallucinating uh, or equivocating Riley with a injured kangaroo. (laughs) Yeah, okay. It's not going to end well, is it?
1: It seems like she intends to kill him with scissors. She's brought scissors with her. She hesitates, though. She can't do it, just like with the kangaroo. And Jay is, meanwhile, she's gone to Mia's dad's house and found... Max, Mia's dad, has been stabbed She immediately calls home And obviously is coming back to the hospital We next see that Mia is pushing Riley in a wheelchair Towards a busy highway A dangerous road We know it's dangerous because it's got all the load of those Flower memorials people leave by the road
0: Ah, well spotted, yeah, okay So there's obviously a bridge over it And a a, a ravenous or ravinous drop towards the motorway so there we no, go. A, no, no, she's just going down the embankment to, to the busy a, road. A deep, steep embankment towards the bulbs away, yeah.
1: so Yeah, that's right. So we're all assuming that she's going to push Riley on the wheelchair down there.
0: Well, she is, isn't she?
1: But We get a shot now from inside the car. To be honest, it's not quite clear what's happened, is it? But we Well, see... who's in hot pursuit? Uh, his, um, his sister is in hot pursuit, isn't she? Jay is in hot pursuit of... That's right, yeah. And we see a shot from above looking down on the road with Mia lying there battered, and she's getting up. We see at the side of the road, Jay is cradling Riley, who's fallen out of the wheelchair at that point, I think. And we immediately cut now to Mia in hospital, and she's looking around, she's in a corridor, she looks through a window, she sees Riley is recovered with his family. She turns another direction, she sees her own dad walking out of the hospital, having apparently recovered from his stabbing. Lights are being turned off, aren't they? That's right. turning off but she, lights. But so first that. she goes to a mirror, looks in it, and she can't see her reflection, just like her bad dream. And as you say, the lights in the hospital get turned off. And
0: then what happens? What's the final scene? We get a little twist at the end. Okay, so we'll have to assume that she's died, or she's dying, the process of dying, or she has been dead for some time, now just realising it doesn't really matter which of those. Mia, she comes towards a human hand in her watery sort of other world and finds herself summoned from the other side to another party where one of the party girls has just said, I let you in. And she's a spirit that's been invited in to the party now.
1: That's right. She's holding hand. It's like her hand is the the,
0: the plaster hand, isn't it? It's a plaster hand now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a very creepy ending.
0: Yeah. I think the realisation was, as she's going down the precipice or the embankment, sorry, to the motorway is... Her, her mum appears and says to her, we'll have him forever. And she realises that actually her mum isn't her mum. A tricked her. Oh, so your manifest- interpretation
1: is that she had realised in time.
0: She realised. So she held off. She held right. off, you know, the wheelchair. And then maybe she got pushed into the road by... We're not, we're not told. Pushed in by, mm. by Jade or that kind of thing. Who knows? But I think the idea is she realised that she'd been tricked kind of thing. And it was all too late. It's a good one. It's a good one. The other thing is, I mean, the other option is, uh, had she been dead from way back in the movie and through this hall of mirrors that the demons were able to present, present her as being alive but actually dead already in the other world, maybe. No, I don't buy that, Paul. No, I could that it? be true? <laughs> it? It, would, it, it doesn't pan out, but... <laughs> I mean, sure, it's dead. there's no point lying to her, is there? It, is what that it wouldn't is. make any
1: sense. It would make even less sense than the actual story. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: It doesn't, no. no. I got lost. I mean, now you've gone through it. Some things you said kind of make it all I've jammed into place, yeah. yeah. Bear in mind, as I say, I was reading this with the synopsis. I see. I mean, you don't need to understand what's going on to enjoy it. It works as like no. a seance, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's a good
1: seance, scary movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it does a lot of those elements well, better than a lot of... The tropey equivalents.
0: But I think the mechanics of you know, gradual possession and possession leaking out into the world and maybe demons not being honest with what they're saying and being able to manipulate and trick us, I think it all tied. it all, you know, it's all followable and just kind of makes intuitive sense, doesn't it? It's a very intuitive move that you don't necessarily have to examine the mechanics of in any great detail. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, it, it hangs together in the logic of its own, of yes. its own world.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yeah. It's quite neat in that way.
0: What about the acting then, Paul? Well, this is it. I think what stands out about this movie, if, I don't know where they found these actors or who's production directorial. I think this was Sophie Wilde plays me. I think this was her first screen role. I believe. Yeah, I mean, captivating. Really well done. She kind of does kind of slightly icky sensitivity creepy teenage girl really well doesn't she really well I mean just I don't know where they found these actors these young actors from but they really 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 stole the show I, like the horror moments where they're just acting being possessed i really so invested in it I think the other standout is the the young kid the boy what's he called Riley uh, yeah Riley yeah an amazing debut I guess it must be I don't think he's a particularly well known actor is it? Joe he? Bird is his Joe Bird that's his, his name who, like Timothy Chalamet, is very otherworldly, like photogenic in a strange way, isn't so probably going to see bigger things from both of these two, I'd imagine. So for acting, I'll give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine, particularly yeah. because they're such young actors, and it was, like, really, really... There's nothing hammy about what they did. It was really convincing. Okay, so then plot, storyline. I enjoyed this. Okay. I know it doesn't all tie together, really. The idea of how this otherworld operates, i like... When did spirits get out and get in? And this progressive appearance or imagination of spirits, are they there or not? I mean, it's not really fleshed out in any detail. But yeah, I like the way it progressed. I mean, it's quite a simple progression, isn't it? A couple of sales,es and then things turn very, very pear-shaped. Mm, I don't really know what to say apart from 7 out of 10.
1: Yeah, I've got to, I've got to mark it down for the supernatural bullshittery. But it is a well-done version of that mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't have any of the histrionics of stuff like The Exorcist or uh-huh. The Conjuring or any of that nonsense with the
0: priest arriving in the holy water and all of that garbage, does it? It doesn't, but it does have some genetic lineage to movies we've watched before. Oh, absolutely. It's an A24 movie through and through. Even One, though- but two, <laughs> it has a very close connection to a movie called The Babadook. The Babadook, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deep connection here is Samantha Jennings work with the boys, the two directors, on The Babadook. Huh. So I think she yep. was the director or the producer of The Babadook, you see.
1: So for plot, I think I will give it finally, I'll give it a seven. Which I think okay. It's what you gave it, wasn't it? Well, we have to talk
0: about special effects. Okay, yep. Great prosthetics, great makeup. Really great prosthetics. As you were saying, little little rider looked absolutely terrified, didn't he? And he's all bloated and busted up. As uh,
1: did the the spirits and the drowned woman particularly, quite shocking.
0: Really good. I'll give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine because they did some lo-fi stuff, like sudden cuts where the spirit just suddenly appears, and it's effective. You get a little, but no real jump scares. The cuts were their their attempt at jump scares, but I I like that. I like that sudden shock of things suddenly appearing on screen. Very simple thing to do, isn't it? Okay, so I'm going to give it an eight and a half. And then we have to do Fear Factor. Then we don't have to horror horror movie. Some sort, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 it was never scary. The thing is, I just don't find ghosties scary. No, just like listening to Uncanny, it just kind of makes me laugh these days. Well, it's better than feeling annoyed by it,
0: isn't it? So.
1: But again, it is well done, isn't it? And I like the way. The, the real scariness is what the hell is Mia going to do
0: to Riley yes, right that's, that's, what I that's say this. Scariness. Okay, it was tense but it's about it's not yes. about the horror it's about how they're going to respond to the horror and what is Mia is this ball that's going to explode how is it all going to end up and can yeah. can yeah. we get Riley back out of his coma I think it's more human concerns than horror concerns isn't it but it's, it is scary for that reason
1: and of course there's the body horror of what Riley has done to himself or the spirits have done to him or whatever you, you want to however you want to depict it. It's certainly a 7, I think, for Fear Factor. I'm
0: going to go 8.
1: For an overall score, I did enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It's a fair, modern, Halloween, refreshing kind of take on an old idea, so I'll give it 7 or an 8, I don't know.
0: I'll go 8, go on. I'm going to give it 8.5. I love the fact that we've got these new directors self-financing or garnering their own production finance, uh, making movies out in Australia... And making so that it has the confidence uh, of movies of your, real nice, slow pace it starts out with. Yeah, great Crikey. in many, many respects. an
1: 8.5. That has got to end our Halloween
0: Enough horror, horror month. for a whole year, I think yeah.
1: People are already listening to this out of October. It's already in November for anyone listening. Hello. Hi, all Paul. then yeah, I'll give you a choice. Go on. We did do a time loop movie. We did. In The Endless, and I thought we might want to continue that theme, but without the horror. Or with the horror. It's up to you. We could carry on. There is a movie that we keep avoiding called Triangle. Yes,
0: we've avoided it several times, haven't we?
1: Which is a time loop horror movie. Alternatively, if you're sick of horror, we can do a time loop movie called Palm Springs, which I think is more of a rom-com than anything else. Whoa. Those are my choices, Paul. Uh, and next time, by the way, you've got to pick, because I seem to be picking all of these. You
0: are picking all of these. I'm, I'm being a bit lazy. Look, okay. Triangle, I'm intrigued by. Yes. Palm Springs, I want to choose. Right. Because I kind of want something lighter after all this horror we've had this month. You want an amuse bouche, don't you? I do want an amuse bouche. You want a canapé with some, like salmon some salmon mousse sort of on it. facial haircut, though, doesn't it? Paul was sporting an amuse bouche. <laughs> oh, because it sounds like moustache in a certain sort of way. But oh, I'm really torn between these two. I, I want to break from the horror, but at the same I'm time... I'm going to sip my tea and let you decide. At the same time, you know, I, I do even... really want to see Triangle. I, he's really throwing it. He wasn't going to... I threw that podcast, in, didn't I? I didn't warn you about he that. He never warned me about this. He's really put me on the spot here. No, I'm still going to go for Palm Springs, like I intended 60 minutes ago, Richard. Palm Springs.
1: It Very is, well, yeah. then. Okay. Palm Springs. That will be next week's movie. Thank you for listening this time.
0: Yes. Goodbye. Do you join us in the next one. Ciao for now. See you on the next one. Bye.